Welcome to the Kindness Is podcast, where we take a deep dive into the true meaning of kindness. I'm your host, Caitlin Johnstone, the co-founder of Kind Cotton. Let's dive in. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Kindness Is Pod. You are in for such a treat today. I get to interview such a wonderful, insightful, compassionate human being. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. About all of her lessons on acceptance and letting go. And if you are anything like me, those might be two of the hardest things that you have to do in your life. I dwell on all the things. I never want things to change. I am so incredibly hard on myself. And you know what? It's time that we feel all of the things and that we live authentically and embrace ourselves for who we are and the decisions and choices that we make and we let it go. Listeners, today I have the fabulous and fierce Susan Verde here with me. I'm so incredibly grateful because Susan and I have done some collaborations in the past, and as soon as I read her most recent project, aside from being in a puddle of tears, which we will get to throughout this podcast, I knew I had to have her on to talk about her journey and her relationship with herself and how that relates to kindness. So today I have the number one New York Times bestselling children's book author and children's yoga mindfulness expert, Susan Verde. Most recently, as I mentioned, she has written this incredible memoir called Say One Kind Thing, Lessons in Acceptance, Love, and Letting Go. She is also a mother of three teenagers, two cats, a dog, and a tarantula, which I love, and we may have some questions about that too. And she lives in my home state, New York. So Susan, thank you so much for being here today and taking us on this journey with you. I'm so excited to be here with you. I'm so excited you're doing this podcast. I think it's such a wonderful just extension of all the beautiful work you're doing in the world. So thank you for having me on. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mentioned to Susan a little bit before we started, but I've had so many incredible instances through the work of Kind Cotton of connecting with such insightful people who have these varying definitions of what kindness is, and you are certainly one of them. So 
I'm very excited you were here. I know I gave everyone a little bit of an insight as to who you are and what you do, but is there anything else you would like to share? I mean, I think the only thing I like to throw in there <laughs> is that um, I was uh, an elementary school teacher for many years. So I feel like, um, and writing, especially children's books, allows me to continue that connection with educators mm -hmm. and students. And so I just, I just wanted to put out my special love for educators and librarians and all the people out there doing this beautiful work with kids. So. And I think that we can never hear enough of that in the climate that we are in today. Yeah. So thank you for appreciating educators. Having been one uh, myself, I don't think that anyone can quite understand unless you have gone down that road. So thank you for throwing that in there. Yeah, it's a tough one. <laughs> it is. So, I know I said to you that the majority of this podcast, I think, is going to lean so much in the direction of your latest book. I love all your children's books. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> However, I can't put this book down. And it's so raw and unapologetically authentic. And everything that I needed to hear as a daughter and as a mother. So I really wanna to get to the root of your life and your inspiration behind writing this incredible memoir. All right, oh my goodness. Um, it, yeah, it was a, it was a really um, interesting project to work on. I think what inspired me to want to, to write this book for you know an, a, an older audience, a big kid audience grown up, um, is that I, in my work with kids, I would go to schools and, you know, things like that. And, um, and I, here I am sort of sharing all of this, like mindfulness and yoga and whatever, whatever. And kids ask me things like, are you always mindful? Do you ever get upset? And it, and of course the answer is no, I'm not always mindful. Yes, I get upset. Um, and it just got me thinking sort of like it might be worth kind of sharing the journey that got me here, but also the journey I'm still on um, to give a little insight into, you know, why, why I even want to talk about these things or share these tools or, or why this is so important to me. And my, my hope with the book was to, through being as authentic and vulnerable as possible, um, not telling anyone what they should do or what the key to life is or what the, you know, what the answer is, but just share the experience in the hopes that somebody also feels, you know, seen in some way, shape or form. Um, it was a tough one because I, there were certain points when I thought, oh my gosh, I'm sharing way too much about myself. And that, you know, it was either stop or just lean into it. And um, yeah, so I just leaned in. <laughs> and and you did go. it beautifully. I think that's why it resonates so deeply because you can see the humanity oozing from this book. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but you can see you not even and i mean susan and i have only had a couple of conversations it's not as if we 
really, really know one another. So when I say that, I say that coming from a place of not knowing you too well, right? Not having um, tremendous connection, although I like to feel like I do a little yeah, bit. I do too. <laughs> I feel that way too. <laughs> but there's just such a peace that is so humbling throughout the story. And I think it starts in the beginning. And for those of you who have not picked up this book yet, Susan really sheds light on her childhood and her experience in childhood and then leading herself into motherhood. So I'm hoping that you can share a little bit about your childhood and why you kind of chose to take the path that you did as a mom. I, you know, I, I think, so I start sort of, I start the, as you know, the whole thing with this idea of this inner dictionary, right? This, this way we learn to talk to ourselves, um, good, bad, or otherwise. And it, it, for everyone, it starts in childhood and everyone, you know, trauma looks different for everyone. Everyone's had their experiences. Mine is no more severe than anybody else's, but it's just my my experience and it's how i learned to speak to myself and i think you know when i was when i was growing up i i didn't hear a lot of words of support uh you know I, uh, from the outside it looked like everything was great and life was wonderful and all of that but it, within the the walls of our home it was you know there was a lot of um they i heard the word worthless a lot to describe myself. I was um, challenged to do things and then sort of expected to fail. And, you know, it just became this, this very loud voice that I heard first from others and then started using myself um, to, to focus on how I wasn't good enough, how I wasn't enough. And I think, you know, as I went through my life and, and, and found different tools and really was determined to work on this, um, you feel like at a certain point you've, you've got it figured out. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you have kids. <laughs> there is nothing like kids to bring up all that childhood stuff that you thought you'd like somehow squished away. Um, and it was really a point at which I, I, you know, I wanted children so badly and I wanted to do things differently. Um, but I had to really make a conscious choice to do things differently and to recognize when I slipped back into my old ways. Um, and it's a hard, it's difficult, you know, it's, it's, I, I haven't conquered it. It's still something I'm working on. Um, but I'm, you know, and my kids love to say things to me like, you're not being very mindful, mom. Like, <laughs> stop yelling at me. But, you know, it's so it just, I think it just stirred up all of all of that stuff. And then from there, it was kind of like re-navigating my relationship with my parents and getting a better perspective about trying to be a parent and what that means and how difficult that is and maybe having some compassion for for what they were going through as opposed to holding on to any anger or sadness from that. Yeah, I mean, we're all going to make mistakes, right? 
And it's kind of, I think we're living in a time where we're really working almost in overdrive to not make the same mistakes mm -hmm. as our parents did and to come to parenthood more vulnerable, more understanding that our children are little tiny humans with big emotions too. And sometimes, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that we almost beat ourselves up more because of oh. that. Because we are trying so hard. And a, and a reoccurring theme of your book that really resonated with me was this idea of having control over the things that you can have control over. And I think that is something that, for me, that brings me back to my childhood. When I felt as though things were completely spiraling out of control, what was it that I could do that was within that realm of control? Very similar, fast forward to when I had my daughter, uh, right to the start of the pandemic, at the start of the pandemic, and everything was out of control, oh. right? So what were these few things that I could really grab onto? And this is something that you talk about. I mean, even at one point, you're like, I had to make sure the snacks were even curated in a certain <laughs> way because it was what I could hold on to. So how is that something that you're still obviously currently working through? But what are some kind of some wins from that that you can take away yeah. and share with people? I mean, I, 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 that's just such a big part of the whole thing is, is this, you know, I, ability to kind of like we were even talking about right before this, you know, sort of have a structure, have a plan, but then within that, just letting it go. And um, I mean, when I was when I was younger and things felt out of control, you know, I, I, it's very easy, especially I feel like as women, to turn to unhealthy things like your food and you know your weight and like well, all those kinds of things that we shouldn't be focusing on like that, but. Um, you know, and then, but I think with children, it's always so funny to me. Sometimes I'll have friends who are pregnant or who are thinking about having kids or whatever. And they're like, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to have kids until I'm ready. And I think to myself, you're never going to be, <laughs> you're never going to be ready. Mm -mm. You might think you've got it all down and it's no, no, it's just, there's going to be some multiple moments in time when you're like, oh my God, this is just completely out of my control. I think, you know, I think the, the sort of the wins have been that, um, you know, I, I, my kids have helped me in so many ways kind of let go of that. Because again, they come to me with, as you know, like, you know, one issue after another or one thing after another, or we've planned all of these things and then something goes awry. And it's just, you get so much practice with them sort of rolling with the punches um, that, you know, I think, I think it does, it has translated into other areas of my life. Like I've certainly been able to say, I've certainly been able to say things to myself now, like, you know, people ask me how everyone's, how are the kids? How's everything? And I'm like, at this moment, everything's great. It doesn't mean I'm 
expecting everything to fall apart, but I know that there's a good chance that there's going to be a bump or a something. And so I'm going to relish in this moment, but I'm not going to get attached to it because the next one is coming. And it's, but it sort of makes me feel like I, I have taken this outlook on life, like the, the, the point of being here or one of the points of existing being here is to experience. So all of these things, whether they're, you know, very challenging or a breeze, um, I get to feel, I get to experience, I get to go through, or they get to go through me. And uh, so, and for that, I'm super grateful um, because otherwise, you know, I'd rather do that than sort of be numb to everything. Mm. But yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there, you know, there's little wins all along the way. Um, and I've just learned to kind of let go of more than I usually would and laugh at myself when I notice that I'm holding on to my curated snacks or my, the way my coffee's made or, you know, the, I think you're right about being more vulnerable with your parenting, like that we're all trying to do that, which on some level is so freeing because you can, mm -hmm. you don't have to be perfect for your kids. Like you are allowed to say, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have, you know, I wish I, can we, this is what I was projecting onto you, you know, whatever it is, you can, mom made a mistake. And, and that A is a wonderful model for them and B is so freeing for you and that you don't have to hold on to this idea of, being perfect that we all do that we all do anyway. in this i mean we do it anyway particularly but, no but, but i think you know for sure i think that that part is is key because we're just talking so much more we're sharing yeah. so much more feeling and in sharing that feeling we are in the moment which is something else that you talk about a lot throughout this book and how mindfulness has helped you in being present. And I always say that I was so grateful because I grew up dancing with a phenomenal, phenomenal dance teacher who really more than the movement taught us mindfulness without really knowing what the word was at the time. Right. We were there and we were collectively in a space in which all we were focused on was moving our body in a beautiful way and connecting with one another. And I think for you, you talk about throughout the book how um, I believe it is one of your child's meditation is being at the ocean. And you realize that that was also your father's. And I think for you, it was potentially movement as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Absolutely. I'm curious, because people hear meditation as sitting down and right, yeah. I mean, I there's definitely so yeah. There's there is one specific chapter where I talk about um, you know how I really wanted my kids to sit down and meditate with me, you know, because I had learned how to do that, even though you know it, my mind wanders and I'm fidgety and whatever, but I I knew how to do that, and I wanted that for them because I thought, oh, well, it's helped me so much. You know, it's, 
they have to and they should grow up doing this and whatever and you know for like five minutes they were interested and then it was you know they they needed something else and i came to realize that they they did have that ability to be fully present and fully in the moment. And I, I could see it. I could see it when my son was surfing on the ocean. I could see it when my, you know, other child was, was playing football or when my other child is painting or whatever it is, you know, there's, there are these moments of real presence. And I, I also then noticed that I had those moments beyond just sitting and meditating too. Movement is really important for me. That's why yoga or exercise or whatever it is, it's not for me so much about the body as it is for my mind, as it is for being connected in that, in that space, in that moment. Um, but yeah, everybody's, you know, meditation or mindfulness or presence can look different and it still counts it it counts mm -hmm. for everything you know so I so when people get overwhelmed with like oh i can't i can't do I, I i had um a teacher i was working with and she said well uh what would you tell someone who can never sit still who can never calm down who always has to be doing something and then she was like just asking for a friend and i said <laughs> I said, well, what is one thing that you really love doing that brings you joy? And she said, well, I love um, taking pictures. I love taking my camera and going out. And, and I was like, well, in those moments, are you worrying about everything else? Are you, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to stand still. It means that you have to just be there doing that thing that keeps you connected. And mm -hmm. that right there is your stillness, your meditation, your presence. Mm, I love that because I think we often think of it as sitting down and listening to something and being still and clearing our mind. And that's not always the easiest thing for people. So finding that joy in what you do that allows you to just be is so important for people to hear. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that will quiet your mind I mean, listen, I'm not knocking meditation. I love it. It helps me. I, I think it's wonderful. But but this idea of quieting your mind, I think people tend to, when their mind, you know, your mind is always thinking, mm -hmm. right? And and if they're not if they're not reaching that point of like everything sort of quieting and slowing down, whatever, they think they're not doing it right. And then it becomes this whole like once again negative self-talk and all of this. And you know, I, your mind is quiet. When I am, when I am on the water, my, my mind is actually quiet because I'm really not worrying about before, after, whatever, just, I'm just there. Um, so those things that you find that you really connect to and can really be present in those moments, that's the quieting. Mm. Yeah. It allows that release and letting go and just being. And I love that. And speaking of letting go, mm -hmm. we, throughout the book, you said, you know, all these things come up about being perfect and that inner dialogue that you have always told yourself and your kids have helped you to let go and all these various scenarios that have come up. But there is one in particular 
that really resonated with me because I think it will also truly resonate with many other people. And you write about your child who is trans in this book, and you are very open and honest about the fact that, hey, prior to them telling me this piece of their truth, I thought I was an ally. And I think you go on and on saying, you know, I grew up in queer spaces. I went clubbing with drag queens and tons of different people that were a part of the LGBTQ plus community. And then as a mother, I felt as though I still needed to be in control. And I'm wondering if you could share a little bit of that with us because I think it'll help people to understand and how to either be a better ally or be a better support to their children or whomever it is in their lives that they just need to be loved authentically. And I'd love for you to share that journey. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I have to say that I'm so grateful to my child for giving me that opportunity to work on myself and, and, you know, letting me love them, but loving me through the process as yeah. well. Um, yeah, I did. I was like, oh, I mean, this is no big deal. I'm, I, of course I'm an ally. Of course, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, um, I came to realize that there are so many, you know, bias, biases in myself that I didn't even know I had that I, I suddenly, I really had to take a look at. And I really had to have that conversation with myself about uh, kind of letting those things go and not not getting stuck in in all these sort of, you know, made up rules that we have that mm -hmm. I, that, I mean, it didn't matter how many people in the LGBTQ space I had been friends with or in, you know, in uh, intimate relationships with or um, my part of my chosen family, I still had these pieces that were so, it was like, that were so ingrained in my being. Um, just things like, you know, I think there's a part uh, in, in the chapter where um, they come out of the bathroom with like a little little mustache that they've sort of grown. And I, my immediate gut feeling was that I just wanted to like wax it off their face because I, as a cis, you know, female person, uh, that's what I was taught to do, you know, shave your legs, wax your face, do your things. And so I realized that my reaction, my response, my gut feeling was coming from me looking at the world through that lens and not through my child's lens, you know? And so I had to let things like that go. And I had, I had a lot more work to do and I, I still do. But the thing is, I think, I think it's okay. You know, I, I'm not upset with myself. I'm so glad that I was able to see that the things that I needed to work on and then be able to work on them. Um, 
And, you know, again, grateful for a child who will let me ask them questions and will talk to me and uh, forgive me if I s screw it up somehow. But yeah, it's been a really, I just think that, you know, I knew that and I know that I just love them so much and that inner light is is there it's not going away anywhere so just to you know come from a place of that from from all of that love from seeing all of the beauty inside of them that makes them who they are and 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 then just working on the rest and you said something that's so important that i believe this is just my opinion but i truly believe that if we are particularly in advocacy spaces or even areas in which we are just trying to live our lives in a more kind way we need to acknowledge that we are going to get things wrong and we need to be open to change yeah we need to let our egos go and that is this is the hardest part for so many people and we need to say okay i need to be accepting of this change and that is something that you have clearly exemplified throughout your life and throughout this memoir. And I think that's a beautiful thing because I think that takes a lot of work. It, it definitely takes work. And it and you're right, it's a lot of letting that ego go. And, you know, knowing that even if you're coming from this place of acceptance and allyship and all of that, like, the mistakes are still going to happen mm -hmm. and you're still going to have work to do. And that's, that's, that's okay. Like that is okay. Being, I think, you know, part of kindness is being open. Like you said, being open to change, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's a kindness to someone else. And that's a kindness to yourself. Mm. So it's, it's, it's work, but it's, you know, what is it? <laughs> so true. I never thought of the openness to change part being something that you need to do yourself until you just said that. And it really struck a chord with me because that same exact dance teacher who I was telling you about once wrote on a chalkboard in front of us, no change equals hell. And I was always someone i mean even to this day i'm so sentimental and i i hold on to things that are near and dear to me and like the, the littlest things to me i cannot let go and it just brings me back to practicing what i preach right so that openness to allow change in our lives for myself is so important so yeah. thank you as no, well, you're welcome. <laughs> But it's not, you know, it's not easy. I acknowledge that for sure. I think because we do, you know, it's, everything is about change as we know. And I mean, I think that's part of the problem in the bigger scheme of things is this fear of change and this holding on so tight and not understanding that like you 
regardless of how hard you hold on, the change is still going to happen. And so, you know, instead of coming at it from such a negative space, try to like, you know, we were just talking about, like, give yourself that kindness of openness to change and, and then give it to others. Mm -hmm. but we know it's not easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which brings me to another part of your book that I think really struck me too. And I think will a lot of people, it's towards the end, end of the book when you really discuss being brought back to a space in your childhood when you felt free and you felt as though you were your unapologetic self without judgment and without fear and with an immense amount of love and you almost feel as though you're brought back to that point in adulthood and i would love to hear that journey and just and why now do you feel as though you can find pieces of that what have you done to to get to that place? <laughs> i think it's so beautiful it's how i mean and you talk about just you seeing it in your children and and seeing that love exuded through them and just being brought back there so i want to hear what's your secret recipe Susan? my secret recipe <laughs> Well, I will. It's funny because I, I do now that my kids are a little older, I do give them glimpses into that part of my life. You know, there's some pieces of it I hold on to and won't share, but I, I do tell them that I, I, that exactly what I put in the book that I did have this period of time in my life where the choices, because I see their frustrations as, you know, 18, 19 and, they they like want all this freedom but they still don't have all this freedom but they do and that you know all of these things and i i tell them what i want for them is to have some experience in their lives where they feel i mean hopefully it's a lot longer than mine was but where they feel completely authentically unapologetically who they are um, and they and they love who they are. And that period of time in my life, I mean, it was in my, you know, early 20s. And I just, the choices were mine. I chose my family. I chose my job. I, I chose my schedule. I loved the, the music I loved. I loved, you know, I, I, I had a, a, a living space of my own. I just, it just felt like the the judging voices weren't there because i found the people who didn't have that and i was able then to feel free and also allow the people i was around to feel free and so it was just a beautiful time and i i like even when i talk about it i can physically feel what it felt like it just um yeah i just I don't know that it was sustainable, but it would be nice to be back there. <laughs> but I think, you know, what I found as I've gotten older, you know, I, I, I kind of embodied all of that. And so it didn't um, ever completely disappear because I know what it felt like. And I, I can, like I said, I, I can physically feel that freedom even as I speak about it. And so 
you know, as my kids have gotten older and I've seen them coming, becoming who they authentically are, love, you know, loving themselves in a way that I didn't when I was their age. Um, and allowing me to be my kooky, nutty self with them that I, you know, wouldn't necessarily be with anyone else. I mean, they just, they, they remind me of that freedom. They make me feel like um, I'm okay as I am, you know? And I, I think with that kind of little support system, when I go out into the world, I feel more like myself also. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think they just, they just really, having children has really helped me on that journey. Yeah. And I think it's important that you mentioned too, we tap into that still. Like we find the things, and I guess that maybe goes back to the things in which you're present or the things that bring you joy. Absolutely. Will bring you back to that space. Cause you right. mentioned writing and, and practicing yoga and you're kind of find that, as you say, I think that downtown girl, right? Yeah. Like that, that little girl yeah. who's free. You know, again, yeah, tapping into those things. I mean, I'm playing the music that I used to play mm -hmm. back then, you know, um, still being connected with some of the people, you know, doing writing, talk, teaching, all of those things make me feel like myself. Um, and I just, when I'm in those spaces, I just try to really absorb it because there are times clearly when we're not in those spaces, but it's kind of like, you've still got that in you. So it's, it's there, it's part of you. Um, and if you can kind of grab onto it and absorb it, you know, I think we can, we can remember who we, who we are at our yeah. core. For sure. I also would be hugely remiss if I did not mention your father's passing in this book and just the journey that you went on there. Because again, there's just a lot of complicated feelings and ultimately a peacefulness that comes in the end in which you felt a resolve and not in a typical way. I think so many people who have complicated relationships throughout their lives, when that loved one is on their deathbed, they feel this intense need to hear the apologies and say all the things. And you have this moment in the book when you are all just sitting there being with one another. And that was kind of your piece. And I'm curious, it seems as though that's a theme of your life, right? Is being able to accept and let go and how you were able to do that with your father. I would love to love to hear a little bit of insight into that. Too. Yeah, he was um, a very complicated person in my life. Um, and he was sort of the, that voice that, that I, you know, that he was the beginning of that 
inner dialogue that wasn't very kind. But, um, and the way he and I connected, you know, we, we found these ways to connect um, in movement, mostly, you know, doing, he was always doing. I think he was always battling whatever he was battling by doing. And he brought me along. And when I was doing, we were connected, you know, when we were running together, or when we were, um, you know, whatever it was that we were working on the crossword, whatever it was that we were doing, but we were always sort of in motion, our relationship. And um, it was tumultuous because of that. It was, it was always in motion. So there were moments of connection, but there were all these moments of sort of anger and loud and yelling and, th you know, and it was just nonstop. And as he got, you know, as he became ill and then was unable, like physically unable to move so much, it was a real opportunity just to find the stillness. I no longer, you know, by that point, I didn't need, I didn't need an apology because I, I had children and I understood the things that I was battling and how hard it was or has been to sort of deal with that and then work on being the best parent you can be. And, you know, that was a whole other generation that was, had another generation behind it that, you know, that didn't do things the same way. And I started to have more empathy and more understanding. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't need an apology because I was feeling good about me. I had gotten to a place where I was okay with me. Um, but it, it's so sad to think that the, the stillness came at the end of his life and that we didn't have more time to be still mm -hmm. like that. But I'm so glad it came because just in the sitting, in the being, in the coexisting, that was the love that I was looking for, you know, that we didn't have to be moving, that he wasn't judging me on how much I was accomplishing or how much I was doing or, you know, my, what my workout was that day or whatever. It was like he just wanted me to be present with him mm. and I just needed him to be present with me. And, you know, therein was the acceptance and the love. Um, and so I, I, you know, I've, I felt like we, we figured it out yeah. in those moments. I, we didn't need to hash things out or I just felt like the being was enough. Isn't that the answer to everything? <laughs> so. Just the coexisting and the right? being. It's enough really. Mm -hmm. But, but it, I would say for the majority of people nowadays, it rarely takes place. Mm -hmm. You find those little beautiful moments of it that you have to really carve out intentionally due to the way we live our lives now. Yeah, I agree. It's much harder to find those moments to just be. Mm -hmm. And to coexist and also to just exist with yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. I just had to take a deep, <laughs> a deep breath because I want you to share with everyone at the end, obviously, where to find this book and how to support you. But it really, 
it was something that I needed. So I wanted to share that with you. I know I shared it with you prior, but I wanted everyone else to hear that. This book is something that I felt deeply connected to. So I thank you for that. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, you, you put it all out there and then <laughs> just, I, that was another thing I had to let go of is sort of like, okay, people like it, hate it, think I'm crazy. And I think it was more, you know, sort of like attached momentarily to what people who really knew me were going to think when they read mm -hmm. it because, you know, maybe some people thought I had it all together and now they're going to realize I really don't. And what is that going to do to our, like, but again, it was another thing I just had to let go of. And, um, so even in the process of writing the book, it was just like letting go of all mm -hmm. of that, of all of that. And you just do the work and what happens happens. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful. And I think that is a good transition into what kindness is to you. I mean, I think we've really touched upon it throughout this entire podcast, but if you had to sum it all up and say, this is my life takeaway, and this is what I believe in kindness for myself and for others is, what would it be? So hmm, I, <laughs> there's so many ways to show kindness, but, and I think we did touch on a really big one, which is about being open to change for yourself mm -hmm. and others. But I think, you know, I think kindness is presence. It's presence for yourself. It's presence for others. It's like really just being there. Mm -hmm. um, because that's what allows for the connection. That's what allows for people to feel at ease being authentic. That's um, how you learn about yourself and all the wonderful things about yourself. So I really think kindness is, is presence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree. I think that's beautiful. So before we wrap it all up, please tell everyone where they can follow you, where they can get. And I, I lied, everyone. I said that I was going <laughs> to talk about Susan's children's books, too. But I will okay. forever share and support those as well. But where can people find your children's books, this memoir, any other projects that you may have going on? How can we support you? Um, you're so wonderful, all of you. Um, so you can, well, the books are, you know, sold. If you can go to your independent bookstore, that's always the best. Um, and they're also online. Um, and you can find out about all the books and the projects and um, school visits or workshops, which I love, love doing and appreciate so much, um, all on my website, which is just susanverde.com and also on Instagram at Susan Verde. I was on other social media platforms, but I kind of removed myself from a lot of them. Just, they just don't feel like a good vibe. But I get it, I yeah. get it. I go back and forth every day. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah. I am on TikTok, but I have not produced anything yet. So I get to see all of you, but. <laughs> yeah, 
Yes. But well, yeah. thank you, Susan. Thank you for showing up today and being with me and sharing your authentic self and story. Well, thank you for having me and for everything you do. So I'm so glad we're connected. Me too. You know, I was having a really tough couple of days prior to my conversation with Susan. And at the end, I don't know that she even knows, but the beauty in our connection throughout this episode brought me to a safer space, a space in which I felt as though we can look to a brighter future. We can lean on the connectedness that we have with other humans. We can understand that all things are temporary and that coexisting with others and seeing the humanity of others is going to bring us out on the other side stronger and hopefully in a better world. So I hope that you took that away from this chat too and pick up her book. It really was pretty life-changing for me. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Kindness Is Podcast. If you love it and it's adding even a little bit of value to your life, we would love, love, love if you could subscribe, rate, and review so we can reach even more people and make this world a little bit more kind. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Are you struggling to lose weight and keep it off? Tired of wasting time and money on starvation diets that lead to more frustration and stress? If there was a weight loss solution that could actually work for you, would you try it? Then head to Golo.com. I'm Steve. I lost 138 pounds in nine months on Golo. I'm Amber. I've lost 128 pounds with Golo taking release. If you're ready to take back control of your life, head to Golo.com now and see how Golo can work for you. That's G-O-L-O.com. My sleep is way better. My inflammation has gone way down. Golo saved my life. I was way overweight. That's what sent me down the path. I wanted to make sure and live for my kid. I have literally tried everything. I was on the verge of getting gastric bypass surgery, and I saw the Golo commercial, and it was the last thing I tried because it worked. Join over 2 million people who have found a better way to lose weight with Golo. Your healthier and happier life begins at Golo.com. That's G-O-L-O.com. Again, G-O-L-O.com.